welcome to this Sunday morning meeting podcast from Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. Today's message is by Paul Abel. Hallelujah. Now, we're all together, so we need to do something special because I want to involve the family. We're going to look at a very special lady, the very first disciple of Jesus who believe in the resurrection, the very first person to meet with Jesus. And we need some Bible heroes to do that. Now, I've already asked just, I've only asked one person, but I do need some more. So, yeah, I'm going to ask you in a minute. But I do first need two gentlemen. You've not got much to do. But your names are Ron and Martin, so if you could come forward. (laughs) Martin's so pleased. If you could come this way a little bit. Uh, Now, you haven't got a difficult role to play. You are the tomb. (laughs) So if you could just form, in fact, more specifically, you're the entrance to the tomb. So if you could just form an archway for me and just join hands in the middle like that. That's it. Perfect. That's awesome. Right, I hope your arms don't get too tired. <laughs> we have a Mary Magdalene. Come forward, Elizabeth. But, Elizabeth, if you could come over here. Sorry, Mary, if you could come over here. Because I'm reading from John, but when we read some of what other people wrote, Mark, Matthew, and Luke, we find that although John decides when he's telling this story, this account, he focuses on Mary. There's some others present. So these are the first real people, I mean real people, to see Jesus. So we need some other gospel heroes this morning. So I need, well, I need at least Mary, the mother of James, Salome, Joanna, and then it just says, and the other women. So there's this whole bunch of women. So I do need a Salome. Anybody going to be Salome for me? I want some girls, please. There are some in the room. Yes, come on then. Come and, stay, come and be with your, your friend Mary. And I need a Salome. Do you want to have a go? You could come with mum. She could be another one. So you could come together. She's definitely a woman. And then I just need a bunch of women. Look what I've got here. A bunch of ladies. We don't know whether one had a baby or not. Yeah, a bunch of women. How significant is it that when God comes to earth to fulfill the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament, when he comes as Messiah, he dies on a cross, how significant do you think it's going to be, those people that he first appears to? And these are them. They were all women. And the church has spent so long pretending that didn't happen. We'll just focus on the other disciples, the male ones. Unfortunately, Jesus broke all of those. That's why Paul, St. Paul, wrote, in Christ there is no male or female. It's all made up. All those restrictions, there is none. There's no Jew, there's no Gentile. We are equal before God to fulfill the call of God upon us. But I'm jumping ahead of myself. Elizabeth. I'm here. So you guys have just got to follow her for now, because we're doing John's gospel, which he doesn't mention you very much, but you were there. 
We don't really know where they were. They sort of scattered in different directions and went to see different people. But it's a little bit confusing every now and again because, like anybody, when they're telling a story, they focus on the people that really meant something to them. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. Often that's them themselves. But, <laughs> you know, if they're telling a story about somebody important to them, it's often them. But here in this story, oh, John does talk about himself. But anyway... Uh, He's focusing on Mary because he realizes this is difficult, different, and difficult. In his day, women were not um, reliable witnesses. They weren't allowed, or at least restricted, depending on who you investigate, to give testimony in court cases because you can't trust women, was the view. So Jesus wants his first testimony to be these people. And the reason why, or one of the reasons why, since I don't presume to know all the mind of God, is if you remember all the way back to when it all went wrong, and the reason Jesus was here to restore relationship, it went wrong when a woman listened to the enemy and said, "Mm, yeah, that fruit does look good, I'll give some to my husband. Eve was deceived, and Adam sinned. And Jesus is restoring in this story, all of women. Amen. It can never be again said, well, they're more prone to deception. He says, that's broken in my resurrection. We have the mind of Christ. There's not a female mind of Christ and a male mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. There's not a female Holy Spirit and a male Holy Spirit. We're full of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> so let me read some story and then we're going to involve you. Or at this moment, I'm afraid, you all look quite sad. Some of you are carrying heavy spice jars because you're going to anoint the body of Jesus. Early, on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene and the ladies went to the tomb. It's over there. It's broken. Oh, it's mended. Just stand outside the tomb. And they got these jars, and it says that uh, as they were walking there, oh, sorry. Rewind. As they were walking there, yeah, it's good, slow motion, good idea. They thought to themselves, how are we going to get rid of the big stone? It would have been good to think about this before they left, but, you know, they're still on the way. But when they arrived there, it says, The stone had been removed from the entrance. Now, what happens next? All sorts of things. All sorts of things. They all start running off in different directions. But our story is going to be focused on Mary. We're not absolutely sure who stuck with Mary and who didn't. So if you want to all stay with Mary, or I'm going to run off and tell somebody else, that's fine. But what happened was Mary saw that the stone was gone. And she thought, she's gone already. She thought, oh no, they must have stolen the body. This wasn't unusual for tombs to be robbed. She went into a bit of a a worry and a panic and ran back to the disciples. And the other women ran, wondered, got confused, went off with them. Some even sat down on the front row. (laughs) What happens next? So... This group here, (laughs) encompassing all of you from Chris to the front, where we have Joshua, 
you are for now the disciples. So this is the people you ran to. So go and stand in front of them. And Mary is saying, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and I don't know where they've put him. Yeah, that was shock. Come on, Axe, please. Charlotte, look more shocked than that. <laughs> no, they weren't laughing. Oh, dear. We'll send you to the SJT. We need proper actors. That's good. Okay. They look shocked. The body's been stolen. Well, two of them. Do you know who? Do you know who? Who were the two that were going to respond to Mary? What do you reckon, Joshua? Peter and John. Do I have a Peter and John? Nathan, you were so tempted then. Your hand got caught. I actually saw you putting your hand up and you caught it with the other one and put it back down again. Come on, Cameron, then. Do you want to come as well, Joshua? Come on, then. Joshua and Cameron, you can be Peter and John. So you're here, and you're going to have to do this bit in slow motion because there's a bit for you to do. He wasn't a bunny. Both were running. So it looked like, you know, you're in a slow motion film running. That's it, because you've got to get all the way over there while I'm doing this. But so slow motion. Both were running. But John, do you remember John? You're John. John outrun Peter. You're a bit slower, Peter. John wants to get there. Keep going, John. Just keep in front of him. Peter's a bit older than John, so he's getting a bit puffed. More, maybe John's just in more of a panic. We don't know. Both were running, but the other disciple, John, outrun Peter and reached the tomb first. As you can see. What brilliant acting. John bent over and looked into the tomb. Awesome. I think he bent a bit more than that. He looked a bit more than that. Hurry up, because Peter's coming. Don't go in, though. He looked in and saw the strips of linen, which is what Jesus' body had been wrapped in, lying there, as well as a cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. It was just there. The cloth was still lying in its place. Who saw all this? The slower one, because he runs straight into the tomb. No, not you. You're the faster one. You're still outside wondering, is it too scary to go in there? It's Peter that runs straight in. Mysteriously, John never tells us whether he went in or not. So you're going to have to stay there peering in at Peter. Oh, I'm wrong. Fake news. This is the truth. Finally, finally, Cameron... The other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, went inside as well. He saw the empty place where Jesus' body had been, and the grave clothes, and believed. But then it has this really confusing paragraph. It says, he believes. And then it says, they still did not understand that Jesus had to rise from the dead. What was it he believed at that point? Jesus must have been the Messiah, but not rise from the dead. Interesting, eh? He's still, they still don't know that. The disciples, that would be you two, Peter and John, were a bit confused. And they wandered back into town to where they were staying with the other disciples. Meanwhile, Mary, aha, she had caught up with them 
running at a more defined pace. Hopping, skipping, jumping. And she's actually waiting outside the tomb there like that. That's it, remember the tomb. Don't break my tomb. It's practice for you for worship. (laughs) Mary stood outside the tomb crying. That's good. As she wept, she also looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white. Oh, you, you'll do. Tomb entrance will do. She saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been. One at his head, and the other at his foot. Sorry. This is what she sees, not a pastor running around with chairs, but she saw two angels sitting with Jesus. They asked her, maybe Angel Martin, woman, which was a term of endearment, it doesn't come across so well in English, woman, why are you crying? Such a caring angel. <laughs> Could you put a little bit more feeling into that, please? Woman, why, why are you crying? <laughs> Shut up, woman. No, he wasn't like that at all. She said, they've taken my Lord away. And I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around. And saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize it was Jesus. Darren, you make a good Jesus. You've got a beard and everything. (laughs) I didn't know that Jesus came to the Meeple Summit as well. That's interesting. Uh, If you could just be there, looking as Jesus-like as you possibly can. It's always... You have a real different picture of Jesus to me. <laughs> I like the jolly Jesus, though. That's good. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she's still so upset. Her hair's in her eyes. She's crying, I guess. She doesn't realize it's Jesus. But Jesus asks her, same question. Woman, why are you crying? <laughs> Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. And it's at this point, when he uses her name, that Mary suddenly realizes who it is. She turns towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Rabboni. That'll do. (laughs) Sensible choice. I don't know how well you know Darren, but she probably rushed and hugged him. Can you do a little acting? (laughs) And Jesus says to her, don't don't hold on to me. Because she doesn't want to let go of him ever again. She's seen him die on the cross. Oh, all the men had gone again. But she saw him die. This is not to put down men. This is to remind us of the place of women. 
Jesus said to her, Mary, and she ran to him, don't hold on to me. In other words, Mary, you want me to stay with you, but there's something much more. And so often we want to hold Jesus in our own little understanding. And Jesus has to say, don't hold on to me. Don't keep me within the restrictions of everything you've known before. I am God. I'm bigger than that. Don't just think you will always understand me like a five-year-old or an 11-year-old. Jesus is a lot bigger than that. Or maybe you're as old as Adrian. (laughs) Or Jesus is bigger than that. That's right. He's always... So he does, he's not saying, don't hold on to me, I don't like hugs. He's saying, don't hold on to me here, because there's something much more. It tells us what the more is in this case. I've not yet ascended to the Father. Hang on. Just, just get your head around that bit. Oh, it sounded very London for a minute. Just get your head around that bit. I have not yet ascended to the Father. Jesus is meeting with Mary... Before the Father. What? You don't get much better honor than that, do you? He's brand new, resurrected. Look, T-shirt and everything. (laughs) And he's meeting with Mary. Because he knows Mary saw him die. He knows how heartbroken she is. And he knows he's going to change the way things work. So that men... and women can be restored to do things together. The woman was deceived first. The man sinned first. Then she yet some afterwards. So God had put the man in the garden with the woman. And one of his roles was to protect. And when she was being deceived, he sinned and brought her into it. Now, sometimes when people talk about that passage, when Eve was first deceived, I think they read it wrong. What's worse, really? Being deceived or being the first to sin and being the first person to lead somebody else into sin from that sin? It's just a thought. It's not advanced theology, it's just a thought. I am going to, I'm, don't hold on to me. I've not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father, to your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord! You can mysteriously disappear off to wherever Jesus went to next. (laughs) And she told them the things he had said to her. Wow, well done. I'm impressed. At this point, in some of the other Gospels, the other women are there too. She's not on her own, but she's definitely the first one to tell them. They're not dancing with each other. They're telling the disciples, will you listen to this woman? 
But can you imagine how hard it was to believe? They knew. They knew he was dead. Is it really in the Bible that one of the women wore a tutu and had bunny ears? It is, apparently. Well, we'll draw a a curtain on that. Later that evening, Jesus appears to the disciples. All my wonderful actors, you can just give them a round of applause. Let's just have a couple of thoughts. Let me see your listening ears as well as your bunny ears. So, it says in, uh, I think it's Mark's Gospel, that when Mary tells the disciples about what she's experienced, that they thought it was just idle talk, is how it's translated in the NIV. That actually is quite mild compared to what the Greek word says. The Greek word means they thought she was in a delirium. It's the word that was used of someone who was ill who was hallucinating. So they thought in her grief, she was hallucinating. And if that had been the only appearance of Jesus, that may have been how it remained for history. But there were repeated appearances to people who weren't so lost in grief that they would imagine it. And you don't mass hallucinate. Not everybody sees Jesus at the same time. Later, he even appeared to 500 people at once until those time of appearances came to an end because the church had to come into being. A church that would go as the body of Christ, not Christ as the body of Christ. And Jesus said that, he said to the disciples, we were looking at it Thursday night in the morning Thursday, my plan, said Jesus on that night, is that you will demonstrate by the love that you have one for another that I am the Messiah. That's my plan. It was quite a short plan. And the plan was that the people that love one another and love God would be a people who by that love could change the world. Whether you are a young person or an older person, whether you're a teenager or you're in your 80s, it's the same plan. The people together. And we can be, church, a powerful group. Often, within the church, you've got like different age groups that congregate. And that's good. That's not bad. We let our children often go up there. Our teenagers meet down there. But if we ever think that that's what we belong to, we've missed the point. Because Elizabeth belongs with Peter. Peter's 80, Elizabeth is 7. They are the same church, they are the same family. All the teenagers that we have in this church that we're blessed with, they're not some obscure group of people that we don't quite comprehend. And teenagers, neither are we. We are one group together. It's only the world that's taught teenagers that they're like beings on a separate planet. It's only in the last 50 years or so that that's even existed. 
Before that, they more or less became adults at about 13, 14, and were in the world of work, except for a few privileged rich ones, maybe. And sometimes we are guilty, church, of infertilizing teenagers. They can take massive responsibility. They can walk with a powerful anointing. They are leaders in the church now. It was, it was exciting to me that if you looked at the 14s to the 30s age group in that questionnaire I did, 58% of them, and that includes some of the younger ones, identified that they were in a place of leadership. What a mindset to have. What is a leader? Someone who is an example for others to follow. And we are just the first core group. That must be our mentality. We are just the first. We may not feel up to it, but Mary didn't feel up to it. And what she was called to, she didn't... And this is just my final point. Mary didn't say, when she was holding on to Jesus, I want to follow you because you'll make my life better. Mary didn't say, I want to follow you, Jesus, because you're going to bless me. Mary definitely didn't say, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, because I'll have more money. She followed Jesus because she knew he was the Son of God. That's what truly activates a church. You realize he's God. Sometimes we become Christians because we do. Because those things are actually true. God will bless us. We will have the favor of God. We do pray for healing and, th and things. And people are healed and things do change. But we also go through difficult times. Personally, we've experienced some things. Today in Sri Lanka, the church churches are experiencing something far worse. But we don't follow Jesus because of the circumstances. We follow because we realize this is God. Come to earth to recall us to relationship so that past this earth, we will be forever united with him. Not even just now. But why we're here, because you can't, if you think about it, why doesn't Jesus just kill us all when we've said yes to him? Then we wouldn't, well, if you think about it, we wouldn't make all the messes, we wouldn't make all the mistakes, we wouldn't do all the sins, we wouldn't do the, I'm running away from church because I'm hurting too much, I'm coming back to church. I wouldn't do the, I, I don't want to do that, I do want to do that, I don't want to do that, I'm going to do my, we wouldn't do any of that, we'd just be with him. But he doesn't. Why? Because his plan was love and community to show the world his love. His plan was that we would be a community or a city set on a hill. Not to judge, but to welcome. Not to be holier than now, but to show acceptance. Not to say you can't come in here unless you're, you know, sort of respectable, but to say we're coming out there to sit with you by the well. Or when there's people trying to throw stones at you, we'll stand there with you and protect you. Praise God. So this morning, it's Easter. It's the best day of the year for Christians. 
I know we often go overboard at, at Christmas, and it's fun to celebrate Christmas, but you know, as I walked past the open shops this morning, I was actually quite sad in realizing they just don't know. They just don't know. Well, there is a city set on a hill. May that be a hope to them that they will know, because we are that city. From the youngest to the teenagers to in the 20s to in the 30s to the 40s, because actually we are one team together, irrespective of gender, irrespective of class, irrespective of ethnicity, irrespective of wealth, anything, we are one by the blood of Christ. By his grace, we will live to it. Have an absolutely wonderful Easter Sunday. We're going to do one final thing together. Can I have the worship team forward? We're going to pray, all of us, everyone in the room. Everyone not in the room. If you're in the crash, you can come back. Even if you've got super noisy kids, I don't care. Just going to move this out of the way. Because I think as we pray for one another, I also want to give an opportunity for us to respond as community and as families. So if you're family here today, it might be a little bit tricky, because you try and gather as the family. I know there's certain key people up here, which makes it tricky, but Joshua and Sam, if you want to go and stand with your mom, that's fine. You're going to stand with me here, that's awesome. Gather with your families, because as was said once in history, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Not for what we could get, not for what I'm going to get blessed for, but because he is the Lord. And so I'm going to invite us, the form of prayer we're going to do is one of praying with our bodies and declaring that as families... And if the rest of your family aren't here this morning, your family is here this morning. You might be completely on your own, but you're not on your own, because this is your family. So we can all respond in that sense. But try and get together as your family. And then if your family is ready to respond, as for me and my family, we will worship the Lord. We will serve the Lord. Let's just come forward in groups and stand here at the front. And we, we could use that song we were doing at the end, couldn't we? That song we did last. can't remember. What a wonderful name it is. That's it, yeah. We could use that to respond. Is that okay? It's good sometimes to identify we're family of all age groups as well, isn't it? So let's all stand. We're going to sing that song, but symbolically of us all standing together, we're going to come forward as families. Sally and... and, and uh, Peter and Billy, go, go and stand with Pete. Well, we can have people on the stage. Cheryl, go and stand with Josh. Hallelujah. Is Lottie here today? She might not want to stand that close to the drums anyway. Hallelujah. Now they should go on stage with you. Loud. Just he stands that side, it'll be fine. Let's for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. No.
to me and my family as all together. All together, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Let's respond. we have in our unity Father thank you that we're called to so many different things we come from many different backgrounds and yet you call us to be one in you Father we thank you for the different callings in this place, calls to lead from within the church, calls to run businesses calls to serve in the police service calls to remain single calls to be married Father, we just pray we could live according to your call upon us as, as, it, as separate people and yet as one glorious body of Christ. That, Father, that the love we would have for one another, that as that grows, it would be that city on a hill, that obvious place of refuge, that place where you can go wherever we are in this town, a place where you can go and discover that Jesus Christ is risen. Amen. Have a wonderful Easter day. God bless you all. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.